You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. He's Ryan Mainville. We will uh, effort to get a new open. I forgot that that was in there. Talking a little business there. Phase five, we'll talk about it here eventually. As we move on, we don't need to get too far into it, but uh, I will say it's been a couple of weeks, so we'll see if we can remember how to do this. Kyle, Money, how you guys doing? Good. It's good to be here in the studio with you. The studio, yeah. Did you, uh, did you miss me? I sure did. I know Ryan did. We were talking before you uh, got on about our Christmases. Um Went to San Antonio, went to the Rainforest Cafe, walked around the uh, the Riverwalk. It's a good place, San Antonio. It's, uh, I would say, underrated. I, I would, there's a question in the mailbag we can get to. Missed you too, Luke. That uh, efforts to pull out some underrated, overrated cities in Texas. I'll put San Antonio up there as an underrated. Better than like... Uh, Houston per se, but I, I do like visiting Houston as well. I think Houston gets a bad rap. Arlington is one of those places that you just kind of go for one thing. If I speak big trouble. All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's see. Bowl season update. Uh, the big 12 eh, doing, doing okay. Not doing well in some spots. Um, but you do have the CFP completed, and for my money, two of the best playoff games that we've had, especially in one go-round, back-to-back, and if the, the championship is close between Washington and Michigan, might be the best playoffs ever. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think definitely so. I think it's a good way to go out with, with just four. Um, I think obviously, you know, there's there's still conversations happening about Florida State, but I think for at least the first two games to be really competitive, both teams looked like they belonged there. They played like they belonged there, and then we'll see what happens on Monday night. But the two the two semis were great. Yeah, I'd say those two semis back to back were probably two of the four best we've had in now twenty total semifinal games, unless I'm missing one. Thinking of Georgia, Ohio State last year, that was a last-second field goal. And then the overtime one with OU and Georgia. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of been a weird phenomenon. We've had some good championship games, but a lot of the semifinals have been duds until recently. You know, it was certainly the exception if you had a really good competitive game. So that was good to see. Um, What I am curious about is if somehow the national championship game winds up being a blowout because last year when – Michigan and Ohio State played really close in the final regular season game of the season. And then Ohio State played Georgia that closely. I remember thinking like, okay, all three of those teams are probably about equal with each other. And TCU had just beaten Michigan. 
and then Georgia beats TCU by 60. And so I know the transitive property doesn't work in college football, but that was maybe like the starkest example of why you can't do that. So I'm expecting a really good competitive game between Michigan and Washington. Kind of a shame, you know, the the uh, inner college football romantic in me wishes that this was a BCS matchup at the Rose Bowl between the Big Ten and Pac-12. But you know, it's kind of kind of the Pac-12's own fault that this is their last game, and it is what it is. But that would have been a cool storyline if this was back in the BCS days with this same matchup. So you're not um, all in with Kirk Herbstreit to just play the national championship at the Rose Bowl every year? No, I think we have a, a very real problem of like 10 people who more or less pull the strings in terms of college football media and organizational structure that want one thing and 90% of the fans want something else. So I have no doubt that Kirk Herbstreit and probably some ESPN execs and some people on the board at the college football playoff and wherever think that that's a great idea. And then you have all these fans saying, no, like y'all think the Rose bowl is a big deal. And we've catered to the Rose bowl for way too long. And y'all think that parade and that sunset is a huge deal, but it's just not to the average college football fan tuning in on new year's weekend. And that bowl game has held the sport up long enough. Frankly, I don't think they should be rewarded with, Oh, here's the national championship game every year. It's a big bowl game. There's a lot of history there, but you can share it with the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, all these other sites that they are playing these games at. So I I get where he's coming from, but I think it's just another one of those things. Oh, like a mega conference would be cool. Not really. Like we want regional conferences based on traditional rivalries. It's just kind of another step. It would be new and different and maybe interesting at first, but I think in the long run, that's not what fans of the game truly want. Especially when you have venues like – Jerry World in the Cotton Bowl and, you know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the Peach Bowl. When you have brand new meccas of football where you can go play and get 100,000 people in there, it makes no sense to go to the dump of a Rose Bowl every year for the biggest game. Now, if they spruced up the Rose Bowl, maybe so. But I would rather see a national championship game at SoFi than at the Rose Bowl. And... Hey, call me, uh, call me new age, call me uh, anti-old-fashioned, whatever it is. The Rose Bowl has been played out, in my opinion. Uh, the Coliseum, the Pac-12, let it die. I, and if it's in the mix, so be it. I like it as a venue, but it's not one of the top five college football venues currently in rotation as far as that goes. Well, and I think part of what made the Rose Bowl special – for a hundred years was it was always big 10 versus pac 10. And so it was, you know, Wisconsin versus UCLA, Ohio state versus USC, Michigan versus Washington. And, but when it just becomes a rotational bowl, like the other ones and you have Clemson versus Florida state there, it's like, it's still a cool venue. But part of it was like, it was a regional rivalry. It was the Midwest versus the West coast. It was for conference supremacy I'm sure teams that have played each other in that prestigious of a bowl game for that many decades develop some sort of like secondary rivalry, but it's just not that way in college football anymore with the bowl games rotating. And if you have an SEC versus ACC team or versus Notre Dame in the national title game at the Rose Bowl, it's like still a historic venue, but when you take away that Pac-10, Big Ten element, it kind of loses a little bit in my mind. 
For sure. Any other bowl games stand out to you guys? If we want to talk about specifics in the CFP, we certainly can. Um, the Big 12, as far as the Big 12 goes, Texas Tech with a good showing. Uh, elsewhere, what other Big 12 teams have stood out in uh, in the the bowl, the bowl season? Kansas, maybe? Uh, I did find it funny that uh, Kansas winning a bowl game, what were they, 8-5, eight, 8-4, eight and, eight and eight and whatever they finished? They win nine games? Nine, yeah. Talking about a new era of football and changing of the guard and Kansas is back with nine wins. It just was a little funny to me. So it, it Now, nothing nothing to say that Texas Tech uh, fans should be turning their nose up at nine wins, but some of the tweets that Kansas put out after that bowl victory were kind of funny to me. Uh, and then West Virginia, the Mayo Bowl. Was that real Mayo that they put on uh, – on Neil Brown. Did you see the Mayo dump? It was heavily diluted because if you remember when Shane Beamer got the Mayo bath, it just like stuck in the Gatorade cooler. It was way too thick. So I think this year was probably like 80% water to get it to actually pour out when it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in terms of like big 12 teams that beat a power five opponent, OU and Texas didn't do it. UCF didn't do it. I think you and Kansas state, Am I missing anybody? Oh, in West Virginia. West Virginia. So, I mean, I guess that's good. And there's just a lot of group of five matchups. Like Kansas got paired with UNLV. Iowa State got paired with Memphis. I will say this isn't like exclusive to Kansas State, but the Pop Tarts Bowl. I think the pound for pound winner in terms of bowl game marketing. And I think there's something to be said. It's a little bit off topic. I saw a, a video retweeted by Reddit College Football of one shining moment set to some highlights from bowl season. Yeah. And the entire compilation, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. The pop tart makes an appearance. Texas tech doing the merry-go-round makes an appearance. There's been all this discourse about how the bowl games don't mean anything. And I almost wonder if we're having the wrong argument. Like, yes, they do. No, they don't. I wonder if we should just say, okay, they don't. So let's have some fun with it. And maybe this will be a little gimmicky. Maybe it's not the most serious game in the world. I'm sure it does mean to the, something to the guys between the lines that are you know, putting in the sweat and tears. But, yeah, why not have a mascot go into a toaster and get eaten after the game? Like, that bowl game was more fun than take your pick of whatever other 36 bowl games are out there. So just lean into making it kind of WWE style. And maybe not everything is on the line every bowl game. That's okay. But, like, let's at least make it entertaining and fun. I think that's what most people are here for. And a game between two six and six teams, nobody's under the illusion that it's like a program trajectory-altering game, doesn't have playoff implications, doesn't have conference supremacy implications. So let's just eat the mascot and, you know, have Nelly perform at halftime and the winner gets a WWE belt or whatever. Like, let's just make it fun and gimmicky, I guess, and lean into this not being maybe the most serious part of the college football season. Yeah, I've I've been on this train. Just go full Pop Tart Bowl, go full Cheese It Bowl, whatever it is. Make it a gimmick. It is a gimmick. It's a it's a it's an exhibition. It's not a real game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, dump mayo on the coach. But it's fun. Yeah, bowl games are fun. This bowl season has been fun. I've watched a bunch of the bowl games, and 
I, I, I guess I'm a, a nut college football fan. I watch college football all year long. We only get 12 of them. Why not get a 13th and have fun watching it? I, I just, I don't understand all the bowl games don't matter a bit because in June, you'd be starving for a Pop-Tart Bowl matchup. And whoever designed the Pop-Tart trophy deserves a raise. That was a sweet trophy. With the toaster football, that was awesome. The Pop-Tart sticking out at the top. Uh, I thought the Liberty Bowl, not the Liberty Bowl, what did, what did Texas Tech play in? The uh, Independence Bowl was going to have the best trophy with the Eagle. The Pop-Tart Bowl was the best trophy. And then the, the Mayo mascot, we used to have the Bloomin' Onion. You got to bring the Bloomin' Onion back. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff is awesome. Agreed. And I think there's a conversation to be had about like opt-outs and all that. But in the meantime, let's just have some fun with it. And sure, maybe these games don't mean as much as they once did. Maybe we're just misremembering how much they once meant. But in the meantime, I would much rather be the Pop-Tarts Bowl than like the you name it bowl that you just kind of forgot about because they didn't have any kind of marketing gimmicks. I, I mean, did the galleryfurniture.com bowl mean more? Did the bad boy mower Gasparilla Bowl mean more? Like, what do we I can't doing? imagine. I mean, I think unless you're playing a ranked opponent, like all of Texas Tech's big bowl wins, like the Holiday Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, those are against like legit, highly ranked teams, Power Five type teams. But at some point, I think the playoff is de emphasized. Even the New Year's Six has been de emphasized relative to the playoff. And it used to think about those four BCS Bulls as like the pinnacle of the sport, even if you didn't make the national championship game. But now it's almost even like a bad consolation to make. Like if you're Bama and you just go New Year's Six instead of the playoff, it's like, oh, yeah, this game doesn't really mean much, which is crazy to me. Like if Tech was in a Sugar Bowl or an Orange Bowl, it would be the biggest game in program history. And then you've got all those other Bulls down ballot. So in the, in the age of – if we're going to agree as a society that these games don't mean much, then, like I said, let's just have some fun with it. I think the conversation should be had around what the actual significance of the game is. Cause I think what a lot of college football fans are realizing is, Hey, you know, this isn't necessarily the postseason. This isn't your biggest game of the season. A lot of other teams are, are, you know, within their conference trying to get to the top of the standings, trying in Texas Tech's case to make it to Arlington at the end of the year. But I think the conversation has really shifted from, Hey, this is a postseason game to almost like, Hey, this is a preseason game. Like all of your seniors, all of your guys who are going to the draft, they're probably not going to play. What do you do with the guys that you have on your roster who haven't broken through, who haven't gotten many snaps? And I think that's where this has just another element to get even more fun. And I understand, you know, seeing that West Virginia, North Carolina game, not the same if Drake May was playing, obviously, but this is the world we're in. And I think the quicker that coaches even can embrace like, Hey, maybe this is an opportunity to tap into the depth chart. Like Joey benefited from that probably by getting Amir Washington onto the field. Like this is, this is turning into an almost really valuable preseason game. When you, you saw that stark contrast with Georgia and Florida state where after the game, Kirby smart says, this is a game we're, we're here to compete. And on the other side, Norvell completely gave up and cried uh, after they didn't make the playoff and told his guys basically, yeah, this doesn't matter. 
you don't have to play. Go and do what do whatever you want. Uh, we suck. What was us? The ACC got screwed. Florida got screwed as a whole state. We, well, yeah, woe is me. And you got beat by 60. So, I don't know. To me, that proved Florida State wasn't as good of a program. Now, everyone there, everyone healthy, maybe they are. But if you can't compete with another top six team in a bowl game, why why do you deserve to be in the playoff to me? So, I don't know. I, with the opt-outs, you could probably argue it didn't. It wasn't a, a good showing for them, but I think regardless, it wasn't a good showing just for Florida State in general. I really like what Ryan said about using the bowl games as a platform to get the younger talent out there. It's a game that doesn't count against their eligibility. You know that it's that's the other side of the coin to the portal stuff. You say, oh, all our guys left in the portal. Okay, well, there's get there's guys behind them that are probably younger and less experienced. So use this as a platform to say, here, here's some live reps against another opponent. We're not going to get this for another nine months. And I, I would even be fine with, you know, I don't want it to get too crazy or just like cheap of a product, but if they want to experiment with some rule changes during bowl season, like if, if we're gonna, at the point where we agree, these are just kind of like exhibition games, I would say like outside the new year six, if you want to experiment with, okay, we're like, if you cross the 40 yard line, you can't punt or something like that, yeah. give people another reason to tune in. Like, oh, I wonder how that's going to work out. And, yeah, we're at the 42. It's fourth and seven. We can't punt. And, you know, see if that makes the game more interesting and use that as sort of a laboratory to experiment with rule changes before you implement them for everybody in the regular season that might backfire. Like, see how many snaps per game or possessions per game it takes away when you don't stop the clock after a first down. And I'm not saying – go XFL and like no fair catches. Everybody has to do an onside kick every time, but I don't know. Like maybe you can spice it up a little bit. Yeah. Do the fourth and 15 onside kick or do the XFL kickoff where everyone's within five yards of each other and you kick it off behind them. Like that kind of stuff makes sense to me in a bowl game. You did the, uh, the Mike in the helmet bit this year. I mean, that's another opportunity for you to test things out. Why not do more? Why not? I mean, it's not, it, it doesn't hurt anyone to have a fun bowl season. And if you're, if you're trying to implement new rules every year, like football does at every level, try them out before you just send them and make a whole season of rule change every other year or every year now. Uh, let's be honest. The sport is so broken right now. We have playoff games at 1 a.m. That was rough. I, uh, I fell asleep when Washington got the ball back up, uh, what was it, 11, 9, whatever it was, after the Texas field goal, because I was like, oh, this game is over. And I dozed off for a second. I woke back up. Texas is down the field again, throwing it to, to Xavier Worthy. So I was like, oh, good good grief. Yeah, I, I don't mind. I mean, whatever it takes to appease the Rose Bowl is what sure. the fans and the sport yeah. needs. So Yeah. Yeah, East Coast be damned for once. Let's uh, get the Rose Bowl some love. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, any other college football tidbits you want to get into before we move on to some basketball talk? All right, Texas Tech has finished their non-conference play. The Insurrection Two coming uh, this Saturday as they start Big Twelve play against the University of Texas at the Capitol. Um, 
overall thoughts on the non-conference and how it's going? Yeah, so you finish up 11-2. and two. Um, Both your losses, quad one games, um, obviously losing to Villanova and then Butler. Um, your best win is Michigan and Atlantis, which is a quad two win right now. And honestly, not trending the right direction because Michigan can't really get out of their own way. Um, but I think the the story for me so far through 13 games has been the offense of this team. Uh, Grant McCaslin, kind of a defensive DNA guy, a guy who won a lot of games at North Texas by really embracing defense first. We'll kind of grind you out on offense, but we're really going to make our living on defense. It, it feels like a different script here. Texas Tech right now, 41st in Kim Palm's offensive efficiency while they're 43rd in defense. So a balanced team, definitely playing well on both ends, but your top 100 in three-point percentage, two-point percentage, and free throw percentage where you're actually 12th in the country. Um, And free throws have been a bug that has seemed to bite this program for a really long time. And so I think that's a a good sign. You're, You're scoring at multiple levels. The way you're distributing the ball right now is really impressive, and I think you've kind of had to embrace that element of your team with Cambridge going down. You've had to play a little bit smaller, seeing a lot more four guards, seeing a lot more three guards and Kerwin Walton out there. And man, what a story he's been. Most efficient offensive player in the country right now per Kempom, and it, it really isn't even close He's got like a 75% true shooting percentage, which incorporates, you know, his two-point field goals, three-point field goals, and free throws. He's just not really missing anywhere. Still has not turned the ball over yet this season. And he's only nine points behind his scoring total from last year. And Big 12 play hasn't even started. So I think that's definitely a, a huge, huge note there, not just in terms of his development, but also what the staff is doing. I mean, this was a you know, bottom of the depth chart role player last year. He kind of came in and made shots when he had to, but that was really all we saw. Man, this year he's playing great defense. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's making good passes. His development has been really, really fun to watch. And he is just taking this team to a different level whenever he's out there on the floor. Was it the LSU game? Curran Walton had like five threes, but other than that, he didn't really do much. Um, and I think Robert Jennings has had a couple of good moments uh, in the last couple of games to kind of give you some some hope that he has a good Big 12 season. Uh, he needs to. And Kerwin Walton, he doesn't need to do any more than he's already doing. And if he can just keep pace with what he's doing, he's going to be a really valuable player in the Big 12. Speaking of Kerwin Walton and the three-point shooting, Ryan, I'm sure you have – a better kind of game-by-game recollection of this. But through the first, I don't know, three or four games, we flat-out stunk at shooting the three ball. And it was like, okay, there's probably going to be some positive regression, but if there's not, we're looking at, like, historically bad, we might be the worst three-point shooting team in the country type thing. And now – and then they got hot for a couple games. I was like, okay, is this just a flash in the pan? It seems to me we're – shooting at a pretty high volume and still making a good amount of them. Like I would say most games, it's close to 40%. Do you think that's more or less our offensive identity at this point? It's like, we're going to shoot a bunch of threes. And if we can make about 40% of them or a little less, we're going to be competitive in games. Or do you still think that's a little bit of just like a flash in the pan kind of trend? 
No, I mean, I we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the season. Like, hey, this team doesn't really have an identity. Where are they really going to lean into? On, on which side of the court are they going to make their living? I definitely think that's the the game style that's kind of picked up, at least in non-conference. It has been gun and go. Hey, we're going to take our shots when we have them. If we don't, we're going to hope, you know, Warren Washington or Darion Williams cleans it up down low. But it really has been operating out of the perimeter, operating within the pick and roll, which is a huge help um, when you've got a guy like Darion Williams who doesn't just have to roll, but can pop on his screens and can make shots from behind the perimeter. He's been doing that really well this year. And I really think it is going to come down to how this team shoots. So right now they are shooting 35.7%, which is 82nd in the country. If you take out those first three games of the season, it's at 39.3. So it's a huge jump. I mean, they stunk those first three games of the season. They could not shoot. And it, it really did seem like a fluke because they shot the ball so well in Denton and they were moving the ball so well, really creating space. Um, but those three games were scary. But I definitely do think this is where this team is not only its most dangerous, but also even potentially just maybe its most consistent. Just with the lack of depth that you have in the front court, I think Warren Washington has really kind of started to come into this pick and roll rim runner type player. And it seemed to benefit him really well on both ends. And so I think it's going to be pretty much perimeter create your space by the pick and roll, get some dribble penetration and get it to the corners. But I'd be surprised if this team doesn't continue to shoot more and more threes as the year goes on. Yeah. I remember, I think the first game, I think we shot like, I might be over exaggerating. It was something like 18% from three. And I remember I was all confident. I was like, we will never shoot that bad again. Like, don't worry guys. Those are going to fall. We might not be Steph Curry, but, like, we're not going to shoot 18% again. Like, the next game, they shot 19%. And I remember three games in, I was like, I don't know if we have a way of scoring consistently. Like, we better hope that we're playing a team that wants to foul us, like, 22 times. And maybe we can manufacture something at the free throw line. But I remember thinking, like, this team might be really, really bad on offense. And the the thing about volume shooting threes is, like, yeah, there's going to be a night where you shoot 22% in big 12 play and you're going to get housed by somebody. It's also going to be a night where you shoot 44%, 45%, you know, on 28 or 31 three pointers. And like, it won't be a close game in the second half. So it's probably a pretty volatile style of play. I wish that there was a way that we could be a little more, I don't know, surgical and kind of rely on some consistency. But if, if that's what's working more often than not, I'm I'm fine with that approach, especially with as guard heavy as as we need to be based on the personnel. So I think it, there's going to be a Tuesday night in Big Twelve play where we just get run out of the gym because they're not falling. But if that's our identity and they can keep shooting that 39% that we've done since Game Four to this point, I I'm for it. And I think that like had you asked me a month ago if we were going to find this kind of gear shooting from deep, I would have said no way. And so I'm. More encouraged, certainly, than I was a few weeks ago. Yeah, and if you're going to play so much small ball, uh, you have to have the shooters and you have to shoot. Uh, You also, you mentioned it, Money, the Warren Washington alley-oop has been a really pivotal play for Texas Tech. Uh, You've had some turnovers on it, but if he can do that in Big 12 play, I've really been impressed with Warren Washington from how he started in his first couple of games to how he's been in the last several 
maybe starting back at that Michigan game where he kind of turned a corner, um, he just looks stronger and more comfortable than he did to start his uh, Texas Tech career. Yeah, and I think the key with playing a, a true rim running big in this conference is really just to keep it simple. Like, it really is just as simple as letting him get in the pick and roll and create trouble. And he's doing that really well right now. Over eight rebounds a game. He's top 100 in block rate. And he's, again, just playing that pick and roll better and better. I think at the beginning of the year, they were kind of trying to use him as an initiator for the offense, kind of trying to play through him. They've seemed to move away from that a little bit. They're kind of giving that more to Darion Williams. And I think that is the best case scenario for this team is to let Warren Washington just play in the pick and roll, back dudes down, you know, get like one to two possessions a game where he's got like a designated isolation play where he can take a hook shot. But the rest of the stuff, just leave it to Darion Williams. Let him make the play, you know, let him get out on the perimeter because of his shooting threat, I think that's going to help Tech create more and more space. But having a guy like Warren Washington is is really big, and it helps you win games, and I think it especially helps when you, you've got a caliber of athlete like he is. That's a big thing with him. He's not just tall. I mean, he can run, and he's got good vertical leaping. He's quick. He can move his feet, and I think it's really just as simple as keeping him either on the pick and roll or with his back to the basket. Has he been doing a better job of staying out of foul trouble lately? I'd have to double check, but it certainly feels like it because as much as we've talked about the front court, it, it hasn't really become a pressing issue where Tech has run into a game where they've got, you know, Warren Washington with four fouls and it's like, man, what do we do? Like, do we run Robert Jennings out here? Do we play Kyron Lindsay a little bit more? They haven't really seemed to encounter that situation. So I'd have to double check his numbers, but it certainly feels like he's been playing much better defense, getting clean blocks, going straight up. Yeah, I just seem to remember like in Atlantis, there were a couple games where he like he got his first foul early. You know, there's like 18 something left on the clock and it was like, man, we just can't have it. And they weren't like good fouls either. It was like, man, just, let, just at that point, just let him shoot kind of fouls. So I don't know. I haven't looked at like his foul rate or anything like that. But, you know, especially when we get into Big 12 play without having hardly any depth at that position, you know, he just can't be committing three fouls in the first 16 to 20 minutes of the game um, if we're going to be able to lean on him in the second half of any conference game. So I hope that's an area of his game that might be more important than anything is just his availability uh, to be on the court because when he's not, we just don't have a second body uh, like that. So Seems like he's getting better in that respect. And I hope that that's like actually borne out in some of the statistical data. Um, but yeah, he needs to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, hasn't had more than two fouls in a game since that Michigan game. So good eyes. That's definitely panned out. Um, yeah, that's pretty impressive at seven feet tall. All right. So I think if we would have uh, said this before the season, eleven and two, solid. We would take it. I think we probably predicted eleven and two, uh, maybe ten and three, with the new coaching staff. I'm going to give you the January Big Twelve games, and I want you to give me the record. All right, uh, in Austin against Texas, at home against Oklahoma State and Kansas State. There's three games: Houston in the Fertitta Center, uh, BYU in Lubbock, Oklahoma at Lloyd Noble, and then TCU. And Schollmeyer 
So that's seven games, I believe. What do you think the record in uh, Big 12 play through seven is going to be? Or what would you take? I think if you offered – is that three home, four away? I believe so, yes. If you told me you'll hold serve at home, I would probably take it right now. I, w- I wouldn't love three and four. I think that's realistic, but I also don't know if it's guaranteed. And, like, I certainly don't feel better about rolling the dice and saying, oh, yeah, you'll win one of those on the road, like, in Houston or somewhere. So I think I would honestly take three and four right now and just wait for the schedule to get – I know it doesn't get easier in really any stretch of conference play. But I think if you could get out of the gates, like, without without sustaining too much damage, um, I'd, I'd be okay with that. So I would take three and four, honestly. Uh, Houston right now, 13-0, and 0, by the way. Well, they haven't played the Red Raiders yet. That's true. Um, I did see, I think it was Ken Palm. And, Ryan, you probably only shared this when I saw it. They have like a game by game projection. I think they have you right at nine and nine Big Twelve play, which I would also take right now. But it was like I think you have to win like four in a row on the back end to get to nine and nine. And so I would take nine and nine, but like if you told me, hey, five and nine, and then like you got to hold serve these last four, that would be tough. But I do think I, I think the schedule's front loaded. I mean, it's fully loaded because it's Big Twelve play. And I also saw somehow we have like the. 12th hardest schedule or third easiest schedule in the big 12, which sounds like, Oh, cool. Like a cakewalk. That's still, I think we're also 12th uh, hardest nationally uh, because the 14 hardest schedules remaining in the entire country are the 14 teams in the big 12. That's how good this conference is. So it kind of makes you feel good. Like, okay, like others in the big 12 have it even worse than we do, but nationally, like we all have it worse than everybody else does. It's good and bad. Like if you win enough of those games, you're going to the tournament. Uh, but it's bad in that like you don't get any. Okay, well, like we can, we can lean on the depth in this game, and like that's a surefire win. I mean, there's just no game like that. Maybe West Virginia at home, but we don't play them at home this year. And so it, it's going to be a grind. And like I don't know what we would do if we had like the second or third hardest schedule in the Big Twelve. I'm, I'm glad we're on the lower half of that this year. But man, it's just. No rest for the weary in this conference. Well, nine and nine, you're probably a a six seed in the tournament. Yeah, something like that. You'd be six to eight seed. Yeah, you'd be twenty and eleven with like one of the hardest strengths of schedules in the country. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, all right, looking yeah. forward to go ahead. As you say, all those games, like you can. Uh, the other remark I was going to make on Ken Palm, like it says nine and nine but two thirds of those games are within like three points. And so, I mean, it's almost like if you flip a coin 20 times, you might get 10 and 10, but you also might get 15 and five. And so I almost don't even count that for very much. I mean, basically what Ken Palm is saying is every single game is going to be a nail biter save like at Houston or something like that. Um, And then you're going to have to earn your way through this conference schedule. But I think the consensus on like T rank, Ken Palm, BPI is that you're roughly like mid 30s nationally and like overall team efficiency or team rating. And I think almost everybody has you about 500 in conference play. So, Ryan, I'm curious if you kind of agree with the analytics on that or if you feel strongly one way or the other um, relative to where they've got us pegged right now. Yeah, I think nine and nine 
I think it probably does get you in the tournament. I just think with the specific wins and losses that Kim Palm has projected right now, I actually ran it through T rank. They have a tool on that website that lets you kind of input a team's wins and losses per se, and then calculate a model just based on a simulation of what percentage they would have at making the tournament. Obviously, we, we haven't even started conference play. A lot of it is up in the air, but I ran those through and tech was actually the, the first team out. So it's surprising. Um, but I think you look at the schedule right now, you've got projected wins over Oklahoma state. That's not a huge boost. They're 95th in Kim Palm, Kansas state, 75th Cincinnati, they're top 40 right now. Then you've got like UCF and West Virginia, and so I think right now you really want to flip one of these games that are kind of in the middle, right? You you would love a win against a BYU, against a Houston, against a Baylor, against a Kansas. Are, are you going to get one of those? Maybe. But I think where Tech can really make a living is taking care of a team like Texas or Oklahoma or even TCU, just top 40 teams that, you know, are going to be hanging around in the middle of the big 12. They're going to be good competitive wins that still contribute to your, you know, overall net ranking and how your resume looks at the end of the season. But yeah, right now that, that projection Kyle talked about, it, it has tech winning two games in the month of January. And those are the Oklahoma state and the Kansas state game, which I feel good about tech winning those games. Those are winnable games. Obviously you've got to see what your team actually looks like um, in conference play, but those two feel good. It kind of feels like tech will, will steal one somewhere. Uh, I don't know exactly where yet. It may be even the first game they play, but I do feel like maybe they steal that game or TCU in Fort Worth. That's always a good showing for Red Raider fans. So I think, you know, at three and four, I'd feel good probably about locking that in. Good segue there. As we talk about uh, opening up conference play in Austin, um, would you say based on what uh, you just said there, money, you would feel better about the tournament immediately. If you win your first game in big 12 play and you kind of, are hedging some bets there that if you win that one, you're in a much better position later in the season. It's that important. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think even just, you know, obviously the resume is one thing and that, you know, is factored on strengths of schedule opponents, a lot of other things. But if we just kind of want to ignore that for a second and talk about what beating a Texas team that's been ranked this season and is yet only a few spots ahead of tech and Kim Palm, this feels like a game where you can absolutely win it. And I think it'll draw a lot of eyes to this team. If you can win it, um, it's just going to come down to if you can actually do it in Austin. I think that's a big key. Can you slow down their offense? Can you kind of play a more defensive forward game? I think that's probably going to be the key here. But I think you absolutely feel better about because then you're looking at three and oh to start conference play. If you can take care of business against Oklahoma state and Kansas state at home, which I think you should. And so three and O to start conference play, you, you might even be a ranked team after that. If you take care of Texas, Oklahoma state and Kansas state, I think you're, you're in the top 25 before you get an absolute onslaught of like Houston and BYU back to back. Top 25. That sounds nice. Uh, you're on the cusp. I believe you've uh, garnered some votes in the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know how close you are really to being in the top 25, but a win against Texas would do well. 
Um, how do you beat Texas in Austin? You mentioned that they're slowing down the offense, but is there a specific game plan you're looking for? Yeah, very, very similar to Tech almost in a sense in that you've got to stop their guards if you really even want to have a chance. Obviously, Tyrese Hunter returning for another year, former Iowa State guard. Um, he's been really good this season. And then obviously their big newcomer is Max A. Smith, the transfer from Oral Roberts. He was a guy that had so much to do with Oral Roberts' success. Not saying it's not a good program, but man, he is a really good player. Um and he's continued that this year. I think he's still kind of trying to figure out how to not just be, you know, the go-to guy on every possession. They're really balancing it out between Aismas and Hunter, but that really is the center of their offense is running it through those two guards, letting them do all the work, letting them take a lot of shots. Um, and then you've got another kind of wing type player in Horton. He's one of their top shooters as well. But other than that, this is a Texas team like it usually does, that has some size. They've got Desue back. They've got Dylan Mitchell back. Um, but it really does feel like it's led by their guards. How about those guys still there? I think it's worse in basketball because you play them twice a year. And so, like, in football, you see them once a year, and then that's it. But in basketball, like, haven't we played these guys, like, ten times? And we probably have. But yet, like, they still have eligibility. It's crazy. And playing 66% of the Longhorns' minutes this season is Brock Cunningham. So talk about guys that you have uh, had a lot of face time with. Unreal. I think you've got to keep him to like 5-2 and two if you want to have a chance to win this game. 60% of the minutes? 66% of the minutes? Yep. He is in their most used lineup over the last five games with Hunter, Ace Miss, Mitchell, and Caden Shaderic. Wow. I'm like struggling to remember a time when Brock Cunningham didn't play for Texas. It was like TJ Ford left, and then Brock Cunningham has been there ever since. Or maybe Kevin Durant, and then Brock Cunningham has been there ever since. And I thought he was, he like, I think even had a misinterpreted message on social media last year that he was like, oh, it's been an honor to wear the burn orange. If you're like, oh, I guess he's finally done. He was like, no, actually, I'm coming back. I was just saying, you know, it, it's yeah. been an honor up to this point, but I'm still playing. So it's wild that some of those names are still there because it feels like you played them a million times. I mean, these are rare. You see it in football a lot, a six-year senior. But he is a rare six-year senior. Fifth year? Sixth year? Whatever it is. This is six. Yeah. This is six. That is unreal. 43,013 games this year. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a career high in the personal fouls per game category. This is incredible. Just comparing this to Warren Washington's game log, I don't think yeah. I've ever spent so much time thinking about personal fouls. But this is a this is a masterpiece that I'm looking at here. They That's give, cool. They should give both of them like an extra foul per half that like doesn't count toward their total. <laughs> oh man. Uh, starter says Kyle let it sink in that Jamias Ramsey would still be uh, in college with his eligibility. It's been that long. Yeah, he was the same class as Terrence Shannon. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure. And so imagine if him, K Mac, and TJ Shannon were all still on this team. <laughs> be crazy. K Mac getting some legitimate uh, Naismith Player of the Year odd look in the betting odds and otherwise. 
I pretend I do not see it. And then, uh, obviously, Terrence Shannon not on the team anymore, currently. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I don't know anything about that yet, but crazy. I saw the initial breaking story, and I haven't, I haven't heard or seen anything else on it. Well, he was in. The only thing I know from those reports, he was in Lawrence for the Illinois Kansas football game, and like it almost makes you wonder if he was hanging out with Kevin McCullough that weekend. Yeah, or maybe he just wanted to go watch his school's football team play, but. I assume the two of them are good friends. And initially, I just assumed it was like something that happened in Illinois, but kind of a weird deal that it was during a, a football weekend that he was traveling for. Yeah, in September. Yeah. So it's not good. It's a classic dad joke there. I haven't seen you since last year. But, um, uh, all right. Anything else on uh, Texas before we move into the, the mailbag? It's a big mailbag. It's a big mailbag. Kyle, you want to, you know what else is big? Your appetite when you go to Reno barbecue. Mm. That's right. We're going to be facing off against some beef on Saturday in uh, Bevo. But I love to face off against the beef at Reno barbecue. And I'm talking about that sliced brisket or the brisket burger. Or if you don't want beef, you could do pork ribs, turkey, whatever you want. The uh, what are they called? The jalapeno poppers, the Texas Twinkies. Texas Twinkie, yeah. Mm, get you some of that. RahinoBBQ.com. You can order ahead to make sure your food is there when you arrive. Out in Olton, they've also got the food truck going all across West Texas. Follow them on social media at RahinoBBQ. They've got specials, new menu items, deals, all that good stuff. Tell them the gaucho sent you, and the cashier will probably say, "Who is that?" We'll give you a high five, and that's all. But tell them we sent you, and enjoy the best barbecue in West Texas. Shout out to Reno Barbecue. I still need to get down there for a chicken fried steak. That looks amazing. This is big as the plate. Uh, all right. Now then, any objections? The Matador Transit mailbag. You've got mail. Mail time. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a tic tac, do you? Did I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? This mailbag spans back to Christmas, so we're going to do some Christmas and New Year's questions. Sorry, I was checking out this burn on my arm in the light. I was trying to see it in the light. I thought you were hitting me with the Shador. The Shador? No, I was looking at that burn mark right there. Dang, you all right? Yeah, I was uh, cooking some egg rolls. All right, uh, complete the following American trio. Blues, bourbon, blank. With the alliteration, it makes me feel like uh, baseball. Was this question a plant? Is it barbecue? Is it a Rahino barbecue ad read? Well, I'm wondering if it's a plant from our friend Bourbon and Blues, who's not a member of the Discord. Nope, it was not from him. I'll go in alphabetical order. Bourbon, Blues, blank. 
Well, it's not a start bench cut. I think he's asking for you to fill in the blank. That's crazy because I was making a joke about how that wasn't alphabetical, but my brain just like short circuited to start bench cut because that's like all we do in the mailbag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bourbon blues and baked beans. Baked beans. There you go. Uh, conference realignment will surely take a toll on the majority of college sports outside of football. Would you like to see football conferences be separate from other sports? That's a good question. I don't think so. I think it actually offers some good balance. Like most of the good basketball schools aren't any good at football, at least most years. Like Kansas and Arizona, pretty good football teams this year. Usually not. Duke, usually not a good football team. So it gives their fans like, oh, we went to the Final Four. Oh, but your football team stinks. So I don't know. You kind of want that year round. Like, hey, we played you in football two months ago. Now it's time to play basketball, in my opinion. Yeah, when you're looking at rivalries, I think it builds through the conference season that you have teams you're familiar with, fan bases you're familiar with. I, I like that idea. Money, what do you think? Yeah, I think I like the argument of I want to play the same programs, the same schools, you know, as as much as I can, at least like whatever you want to say about the Chris Beard stuff and everything that's happened between tech and Texas the last few years like that, that absolutely carried over into football and and baseball, even like those baseball games were were electric. Uh are you now out on Joey McGuire after finding out his favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation? That uh, that revelation shook me to my core. Yeah, I've been I've been critical of Joey in like specific instances, like the BYU game and stuff like this. But big picture, I've always been all in. But I saw that and I just kind of like slowly closed my laptop walked outside to my back porch, just kind of like stared out at the sky for a few minutes. I mean, he also likes like Kenny Chesney. So maybe his pop culture base is just not as what uh, we want it to be. Are you saying Joey McGuire is kind of basic? I didn't say that. I, I think no, I'm asking you if I, you're I saying think you that. that. Yeah. Uh, will you try the famous Idaho potato bowl face mask? It is a brightening potato honey face mask. Uh, you stir potato mesh with a teaspoon of lemon juice and honey and two ta tablespoons of plain Greek yogurt. And you rub that on your face. Are you a skincare junkie money? Uh, I'm not putting yogurt on my face. May maybe potatoes, but I think yogurt is probably where I'm gonna I'm gonna draw the line. Do you ever do the uh, cucumber eye mask with this at the spa day? I did not. No. No. Cal, are you uh? Do you put on the the eye mask with the with the lady? No, I just look this good naturally. Okay. Believe it or not. Somebody was calling you Ken Bone in my text messages today. <laughs> yeah, I got the Ken Bone quarter zip on. Uh, Spuddy, uh, start bench cut these bowl mascots. Spuddy Buddy, 
which is from the potato bowl. Prince Chedward, which I believe is the cheese bowl, and then the edible Pop Tarts mascot. I think you got to go Pop Tart, Cheese It, Potato. Yeah, I would. I would cut Buddy Buddy. Prince Chedward is like the greatest mascot name I've ever heard, though. Yeah, Prince Chedward. You starting the the edible Pop Tart there, money? Probably, and I'm definitely cutting the uh, the Cheese It because because we never forget what the Cheese It Bowl did to us. Oh, that's facts. I, I kind of forgot, but you're right. Yeah. Never forget. Technically, the Pop Tarts Bowl is the Cheese It Bowl. So are we double down there? Are they, uh, I, they rebranded and so we're fine with it? Yeah, I thought that was kind of like a wipe the slate clean opportunity for us. I think so. Uh, what's the first piece of gear you're looking forward to purchasing after the Adidas products start hitting the shelves? Like seven quarter zips. <laughs> I have Mahomes' tennis shoes already. Yeah. And like, I don't really... It doesn't really matter to me what brand, you know, pants are. I just wear like plain gray pants or whatever. But yeah, catch me in a variety of old school double T quarter zips and the Mahomes shoes. And that's what we're rocking in 2024. Do the Chiefs suck? This is from Christmas Day. They did on Christmas Day. They they might kind of stink. Yeah. Now they beat the Bengals since won the division but they're gonna be the three seed right i guess the dolphins have kind of fell off the bills catching up that's for the division this weekend so maybe they end up as the two seed but baltimore is the cream of the crop there in the afc right now uh in an overall general sense is taylor swift bad for the chiefs why do we why do we do this every week? No. He, she's not. Really? I, I think there's causation correlation paradigms here, but we, we also said that uh, Jackson Mahomes is bad for the Chiefs and they won two Super Bowls with him. You think the Chiefs are gonna win the Super Bowl this year? No, but I don't think they're gonna lose because Taylor Swift, I think their wide receiver course sucks. Yeah, it's probably just coincidence. Is is Travis Kelsey part of their receiving core? Yeah, but he is he's open because of the wide receivers. Like Tyreek Hill made Travis Kelsey better. Yeah, it's probably just a coincidence he's having his worst season ever. He's he's not a number one. Never has been. It's probably just a coincidence the Beatles kind of fell apart after Yoko Ono and John Lennon got really serious. Probably so. I don't think we've ever heard of, uh, your thoughts on Taylor Swift money. Is, is Taylor Swift broken the Chiefs? No, I'm a big fan, big fan of the music. So, uh, like to I like to sit out of this discussion, keep it neutral, watch the parents figure it out on their own terms, and then you know we'll we'll get off of this, and I'll sneak in some folklore before bed. I'll tell you what, if we win two playoff games, just get back to the AFC title game, and we keep that streak alive, I'll I'll, I'll forget about it. You'll drop it. But if we lose in the freaking wild card at Arrowhead, then yeah, she's Yoko Ono. And I called that back in August or whenever this started. Uh, what are the Gauchos' favorite Christmas gifts they received this year? What's one thing you got or you wanted but didn't get?
think is a, a grown. I don't really have a Christmas list anymore. Um, I wanted a, a PS5, but I don't think I put that on my list from anyone. Santa didn't bring it to me. Uh, what's the favorite gift I got? I got a Funko Pop of Sanka Coffee. Holding the egg. It was nice. I got some cash. It's always good to get. What about you guys? I got two new blankets, which feels like a lame thing to be excited about, but they have both been awesome. It's been freezing lately, so I've greatly appreciated them. Uh, can't think of anything I missed out on. Yeah, I don't think I missed out on anything either. So like the funniest gift I got was actually from my mother-in-law. And it was funny because we were talking about this at the Independence Bowl. It was so cold. And we were like, man, do y'all remember Snuggies? Like, whatever happened to those? It's like, yeah, I would wear a Snuggie right now. And I didn't get a Snuggie, but it's like this insanely oversized kind of hoodie that is basically a blanket. Oh, yeah. And it's Texas Tech. Like, it has the logo on it and everything. And I was like, I'm, I'm probably not going to wear this. But it's funny. And, like, my wife could wear it if we're at a game in November next year or something. So that was pretty funny. I need you to drop that in uh, game day threads. I will. Yeah, I will. All right. Uh, being a picador and loving bits, what bit from your time in radio would you consider bringing back? Uh, the only bit I would bring back from the Rob Bro Show days on terrestrial radio um, would be the job approval Tuesday bit that uh, seemingly rustled some feathers every week. I wish you would pulse the people once again. I need to bring back pulsing the people. That was a fun bit as well. That was a good one. I for, I forgot about the pulsing the people. Any uh any college tailgate show bits that you want to bring back? You 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 also had the time in radio. I don't think this was a bit because it only happened one time. But I remember back in 2021 when Baron Morton was a true freshman, and we were like struggling mid season. And you were like, all right, you know, we're about to go to commercial break. And there's four of us in there. It was me and you and the 23 personnel guys. And I was like, hey, can I just say like one thing real quick before we go to break? And you're like, yeah, sure. And I was like, I think Baron Morton should start at quarterback today. And you like stared at me for about two seconds. And you go, all right, we'll be right back after these. Just like didn't want to engage in that at all. You always bring this up. It's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Uh, has anyone ever cooked more on Christmas Day than Beans did this year? Uh, shout out to what was it, Thurber Mingus? What was his name? Mingus, Mingus Johnson, Mingus something that uh, won the Western Mobility Gun Race. I I am amazed that so many people think that is real. Every time he does it, the knife chopping was brilliant. The gun shooting was even more brilliant. Uh, Barstool Big Cat picked it up like it was real. I mean, it is just amazing what he can do with those. Uh, I mean, it, it feels real. Thurber Mingus, or whatever his name was, I think that's a town in Texas, but Mingus was a great pull to name him. Shout out to Beans. Getting to know the Gauchos, one of my former bosses had a cat named Mingus, and it was after that town. Isn't there a steakhouse in Thurber Mingus or something? Yeah, it's like up on a hill on the side of the highway. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Texas State having the most undefeated bowl record in history? Oh, and the uh, the bricks on Broadway in Lubbock, those were manufactured at the 
smokestack in Thurber, Texas. Oh. Those are from the, yeah, Thurber, Thurber Brick, I think is what the company was called. The more you know. What did you ask me about Texas State? Uh, having the most undefeated bowl record in, in history. I think they're 1-0. 100%. Yeah, and they did it the right way. They had a big man touchdown in the mix there. So good for them. Great first year for G.J. Kinney over there. With 53 transfers? Something like that, yeah. If one successfully installs a VPN on one's mobile phone, can one bet on sports from one mo- one's mobile phone, assuming one lives in a state where sports betting is illegal? Uh, no. I I have tried this. It does not work. Dang. Yeah. Do you guys know about VPNs? I just got a VPN a few days ago. I uh, I know about VPNs, yes. If you ask me like what it is or what it does, I probably would get like a C minus on that answer. Yeah. What is it? What does it do? I think it makes it seem like you're in Los Angeles when you're actually in Fort Worth. Yeah, you can set it up to different hubs. You can even go if you set up your VPN in like Australia and then log into your Netflix, you can watch Australian Netflix shows. See, but I tried to do something and it was like, it basically like saw that had a VPN. It was like, yeah, you can't do that. It was like Hulu or Google or something. I don't remember what. Hulu Hulu is frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, whatever. Because Hulu needs your, yeah, yeah Hulu is stupid. Uh, are there more TCU or SMU fans in real life? I think that's the wrong question because all 12 of them are just arguing with each other on Twitter nonstop. Uh, what is your one New Year's resolution for tech athletics in 2024? Money? Run the ball some more. Run the Why ball. Not? No matter the sport, run the ball. Let's let's get Taj 37 touches a game. Let's get Hoops offense playing fast. Let's just run the ball. And all that we do, maybe we run the ball. Steal some bases in baseball. I'm in. I really hope we don't screw up the Adidas uniforms. I... Yeah, there was somebody that said a uh, player has seen them and they just had the Adidas logo. It wasn't the Mahomes brand. That can't be true. Surely, surely it's the Mahomes brand on the football uniform. If Jones A&T, AT&T Stadium hosted a bowl game, what would it be called? Who would be the sponsor and would the bowl game or sponsor have a mascot? Fibermax Cotton Bowl, but B O L L instead of B O W L to avoid obvious copyright infringement. We're going double eagle dust bowl. Yeah. Oil bowl. Taco bowl. Okay, the Tex Mex Taco the Roses Taco Bowl. Mm hmm. Not Taco Bell or the Taco Bell Taco Bowl. I'm in. That doesn't scream West Texas as much as like a Taco Villa Taco Bowl. The winning coach gets doused in Baja Blast. 
You got to think outside the ball, man. Uh, our family still does this, so I'm curious. Do y'all eat black-eyed peas to avoid bad luck in the coming year on New Year's Day? Yes, we eat black-eyed peas. Do you guys? No. Money? My parents make them every year, but I do not like them, so I do not eat them. Sam, I am. They, uh, they taste like mud, black-eyed peas. We do that every year, though. Uh, what is the state dish of West Texas? I've got two or three. This guy says, and why is it German sausage wrapped in a tortilla? I would say that's one option. Uh, chicken fried steak was invented in La Mesa. Yes, I got that. That's got to be in there. And then uh, the fajitas. I think fajitas would be a West Texas Tex-Mex kind of thing. How about the Jimmy Dean sausage biscuit? Classic. Jimmy Dean, born and raised in Plainview, for those who don't know. I could also see, I've tried to explain to outsiders the concept of Orlando's, and I'm like, I try to say it's kind of like Italian, but it's, it's Tex-Mex Italian. And they're like, how on, how does that work? And I'm like, well, they have queso, but there's fettuccine sauce in it. And like they serve it with garlic bread, and they also serve it with tortilla chips. So it's Tex-Mex Italian. And I feel like that's a pretty unique yeah. blend that probably isn't replicated in a lot of other places. Probably not. I mean, it's fondue, basically, but... Sure. Yeah. If you could pick two schools from the ACC outside of FSU and Clemson to join the Big 12, who are you taking? Suspend all disbelief and consider all sports. Miami is one of them. Does Notre Dame count? We're suspending all disbelief, so I guess it would count. But I would say no. You're not telling Notre Dame no. No, I, I would say no, it doesn't count for an ACC school. Oh, okay. Uh, then give me North Carolina and Miami. I like it. Miami for sure. Miami long time uh, has been my target from the ACC. Just the history, the the uniforms, whatever it is, bring it to me. That's my favorite 30 for 30, by the way. The first one. Uh, did West Virginia just complete the season we were told Texas Tech was going to have? Interesting. Kind of funny. They uh, all their fans had the same exact win total in mind when the season started that would make Neil Brown safe, and it was eight wins. And they went eight and four, and half their fans were like, "Well, not like that, or not those eight wins." And I kind of get it because I mean they won the bowl game, so it's nine and four, and if they could defend a hail mary in Houston, it'd be ten and three. Nobody's, I mean, no matter what it looks like, nobody's crapping about a 10 win season. So, yeah, I mean, on, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, you, they ascended to the top, I don't know, quarter ish of the, of the Big 12. And uh, his best season there by, I think, a pretty good margin. But the fans, some fans are still kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think they had a solid season. They're, they were, 
kind of in the Big 12 title race. I mean, they, they I think, needed some help the last couple weeks. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's, like, about where Tech fans want to get is, like, eight, nine wins should be doable. And in a good year, you punch above that. In a rebuilding year, maybe you get seven. But I think that's where a lot of Tech fans want to live. All right, this is a, a long one. We're going to go rapid fire for both of you, all right? Without saying Lubbock more than once, and it's a, a list of questions and cities, okay? So I want Texas cities. Or we can go national, whatever you want. Uh, city you dislike. Shreveport. Not a fan of Shreveport. Money? Miami. Oh, out on Miami. I've never been to Miami. Miami, Ohio or Miami, Florida? Miami, Florida. Okay. My apologies. A city you begrudgingly respect? Arlington. <laughs> Probably New York City. City you think is overrated? Austin. Austin. Los Angeles. City you think is underrated? San Angelo. San Angelo is a nice place. San Marcos. Go to the river. Uh, City you like? Vegas. Nashville. City you love. Nashville is awesome. Rio Dosa. I'm a homer, but I love Dallas. It's just home. I love Dallas. I'll change mine to Madison, Wisconsin, actually. You're a big Madison, Wisconsin guy. Love Madison. A city you dream of living in. Prague. Off the board there. I like it. Uh, yeah, I think if like money wasn't a consideration, I honestly think like Australia would be kind of cool. If you could live in Sydney or Melbourne or somewhere like that. Perth. Uh, which actor played a villain so well you have difficulty seeing that actor as any other character? Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. That guy... Yeah, that's a good one. Antoine, Anton. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Hopkins as in The Silence of the Lambs as Hannibal Lecter. I just feel like he plays Hannibal Lecter in every role now. Javier Bardem was so awesome in No Country for Old Men, and then he was in um, that pirate movie, Pirates of the Caribbean. With that lisp, and just completely ruined him as an actor for me. I don't remember him in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's in like the he's in the fourth one, I think. Oh, that that's and why. Talks with like this crazy Spanish lisp. It's terrible. Huh. It's terrible. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah. Do you have a a, a villain that you see as a villain in every role now, Bunny? 
I can't think of one. And if it hasn't already been inferred, I feel like these movie questions just kind of always miss me. Not a big movie guy, but I'm open to trying. Attention spans a little bit, a little bit short. I like a you know a quick shot clock. So any good movies, feel free to send them my way. Probably won't make it through it though. Not personal. Hey, they don't call it movie Mainville. That's true. Uh, here, here's one for you, buddy. If you're given five hundred dollars for Christmas from friends and family, what are you doing with that money? Buying a new guitar, or using it towards a new guitar. Been thinking about picking another one up lately. Got my eyes on some. It's a dangerous rabbit hole. Five hundred would would be a nice chunk of that. Kyle, you putting that in uh in your betting app? No, because my VPN apparently does nothing for me other than complicate logging into Hulu. No free ads, but you can do prize picks. It's a just prop bets. Okay, it's legal in Texas. Well, I would, I would, if that's the case, I would use a five hundred dollars to short stock in prize picks because I'm about to bankrupt them. So maybe that's insider trading. Sorry if it is, but that's just the case. There's a dude in the Discord that has been murdering prize picks lately. He's gotten like five or six in a row. Just unreal run. I don't know what kind of wagers. He, if he's putting like a dollar down, still he's uh, unreal. Uh, what's one sport that really shouldn't be a sport? It's a dangerous question. I think oh well, no, I can't say that. Pickleball. I used to have this debate with when I was in high school, a lot of my friends who were on like the drill team and they they considered dance a sport. I considered it more of an art. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, but there's there's dance competitions, and I was like, Yeah, but those are artistic competitions. Like you're being judged subjectively. Which I guess in that sense, like even gymnastics would be an art instead of a sport. I consider sport like an objective, like first one to the finish line, person with the most points, you know, stuff like that. And so I used to get into that debate whether dance counted as a sport or not. And my stance was always that it was an art instead of a sport. Like uh, ice skating, synchronized swimming, those kind of subjective. Yeah, but but swimming like Michael Phelps saw when it's a race, I do consider that a sport. So it's the same exact activity. About uh, bowling, billiards, golf, those kind of things. Yeah, it's, it's an objective ball sport where you keep score. So I have to count it as a sport. Even It doesn't require a ton of athleticism. Neither does NASCAR. I mean, like you see Tony Stewart get out of the car and you're not like, oh, that's that's peak athleticism right there. But it, it's a race, so it's a sport. Is this year's Tech team 45 points better than this year's Penn State team? At least. At least. Uh, what are three pizzas you order for a football watch party, and why is pineapple with jalapenos the best choice? I'm open to input here. I, I would say, one, you go very baseline, just pepperoni. Yeah. Two, I don't think you can screw up with like a supreme, a little bit of everything, put some olives and onions on it. But the third one, I would be curious y'all's thoughts on how you kind of appease the – Maybe the last demographic there. I think you ask the room. I think you pull the room. 
Uh, I'm not opposed to a pepperoni jalapeno pineapple pizza. That's the best mix if you want a pineapple on pizza. But if there's just one guy that wants pineapple, I think you you go uh if it's for if I'm just ordering pizzas and this somebody answered in the the Discord, but it's just a cheese, a sausage and a pepperoni and then you just kind of go from there. I I think cheese pizza is for like children. I would I would not order that for an adult. Yeah. Well, I I would do a supreme. I'm not opposed to a supreme. I think maybe I would round it out with sausage. Yeah. But a cheese pizza for like a room full of 30 somethings, I I'd, I'd be like, "Come on, guys." You like cheese pizza? Not really. Like put something on it. Yeah. And and you you're talking about like the pickiest eater here who eats everything like plain and dry. Even what's I don't your, eat cheese pizza. What's your pizza order? If you're ordering just for you. If it's like one topping, I go pepperoni. I know it's your choice. Whatever, whatever you want. Well, but like more toppings is more expensive, so I usually eat. Okay. Like most pizza deals are for one topping. Right. Uh, but but you know, if I had it my way, I would do like probably pepperoni and sausage and like jalapeno on there. Money, what's your go-to pizza order? Actually, very similar to the one posed in the question. I do like a pineapple jalapeno pineapple. Um, but I also like to do a little bit of honey on top and then a little bit of red chili flakes on there as well. Just a little bit more dynamic. Okay. I've uh, I've seen honey being played on the uh, the pizza crust back in it. I, uh, you you got to have good, good honey. Good honey is the key. Good local honey. No free ads, but have y'all seen CC's and they're like rebrand? No. They're they're called like Beyond Pizza now or something like that. And they have this new logo. And in my opinion, I think you need to kind of like be what you are. Yeah. And when you're CC's, you're a pizza buffet for like little league teams and middle class families. And that's great. Like yeah. that's what I love. We don't want Beyond Pizza. We don't want a sophisticated logo no. or a super tidy and like uppity restaurant. No, we want mac and cheese pizza and cinnamon rolls. Exactly. And like uh, the little vending machines with the quarter in the back where you can get yeah. you know, stickers and toys and bubble gum and all that. Yeah. So I haven't been to the new CC's. I'm going to go. I'm going to give it a shot. But uh, I'm a little disappointed in the rebrand there and, and what they seemingly are trying to convey beyond pizza so it's like we've got salad yeah or like i don't know maybe some vegetarian pizza or uh what's that stuff gluten gluten-free crust yeah but like if you can't eat gluten what are you doing at a pizza buffet go somewhere else no offense but yeah respectfully uh thoughts on wes welker as texas tech's future offensive coordinator if you value, if you, so I had a, a former boss. He he told me that some things are better caught than taught, which means, like, just by kind of being around me, you'll pick up on some stuff that I can't like tell you how it works. Wes Welker is around a lot of the right people in the NFL. Like he's been with Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. I think you could do worse than that as long as he's caught some stuff. And if I know Wes Welker, he's good at catching stuff. So I, I think you could do worse than like a a McDaniel and a Shanahan protege. 
Hey, if you have to hire a Red Raider man, uh, you could do worse. I'm all for going outside the family, but uh, if you got to stay in the family. Well, you're kind of a Welker hater, though, aren't you? No, come on. Come on. That's out of context. It's a bit. Uh, do y'all think NIL contracts should have a clause about playing in a bowl game? No. No. I don't think it should have any clauses. Just stick. I think how Texas Tech is doing it right now is how you should do it. Make them do some, uh, some, some community service and give them 25 grand and move along your merry way. I don't think people have thought through the concept of forcing a guy to play who's not interested and doesn't want to play that. Yeah. I realized that what we saw with Florida state, Georgia wasn't a good product either, but a guy that was trying to leave and you made him stay is also not going to be good for like locker room dynamics, no. game planning, practice prep. Yeah. If they want to go, let them go. I think some of this will kind of correct itself over time when guys realize that the grass isn't always greener in the portal and they'll start staying a little bit more frequently. But no, I'm I'm against kind of coercing guys into playing like that. What city that doesn't host a bowl game should host one? Got to have the capabilities. We just talked about Lubbock. I mean, that yeah. that really does feel like it would be a fun destination. I mean, the Frisco Bowl is is, is not too far from me, and as somebody who spent extended amount of time in both Lubbock and Frisco, I can tell you, I think Lubbock would be a much more exciting and interesting site for a bowl game. You also got an airport right there too, man. It, it feels like it'd be fun. Maybe I'm just a Homer, but it, it feels like it'd be fun. I actually think Austin, but playing it at Austin FC's stadium instead of DKR, because yeah. you're never going to put a hundred thousand people in, in the stands for a bowl game. I don't know what the soccer stadium seats, but it I, it seems more intimate. It's kind of like a different, cool setting. I'm all for like alternate venues for sporting events. Like a while back, Tennessee and Virginia Tech played a game at Bristol Motor Speedway. That's huge. I think that seats like 130,000 people, maybe even more than that. So opposite of intimate, but I'm for – I don't know if I like playing football games on baseball fields, and there's a couple bowl games that do that, but – I think with soccer kind of being an, an emerging sport, going to a soccer stadium, an MLS stadium, yeah, might be kind of a cool uh, backdrop for a, a college bowl game. I think so. Austin makes sense. I like the soccer stadium thing, I, especially in bowl games. We talked about it earlier in the beginning of the show. Do uh, just make it fun, and if it's a smaller venue it feels more crowded and it feels more important. If it's sold out, it feels better. Uh, agree or disagree with the following tweet. This is from Coach Dan Casey. Rush 11 and never field a punt. Let the ball land where it lands and you always get possession. This is after a couple of muffs in the championship games. This is like the uh, always kicking onside thing that the uh, Presbyterian guy was doing for a while? If you're trying to field a punt 
within the 15 maybe even within the 20 i think i'm i think i'm game for that approach but if you're beyond that and you're going to risk a bounce not losing you 15 yards when you could have just caught it like there's no way that you can't trust anybody on your roster that much to field one punt that that's a dire situation yeah i truly don't understand how this works but if you're a special teams coach i assume you tell your guy put your heels on the 10 yard line and if you have to move backwards you're not fielding this punt because even if they down it at the five like what's the difference between that and you know downing it at the one or the two like who cares at that point you're backed up all the way it doesn't really matter but all the time guys field punts at the five or at the goal line um I don't get like to me that guy would be a bench to me. That's such a simple instruction to follow. Like there are some football tactics that are like based on ability. And you say like, "Hey, go decleat that guy." Well, that's hard to do, right? But saying don't back up and field this punt is like if you screw that up, I can't trust you to do anything. And so I don't know how that happens all the time. I also don't know how the gunners on the punting team get caught looking at the punt returner and not where the ball is going to land because punt returners are obviously deceptive. And they move, they let the ball bounce somewhere else. And like the entire punt coverage unit is caught off guard. And then the ball rolls into the end zone. I, it would drive me crazy as a special teams coach. It like makes me wonder if some of these teams just don't emphasize special teams or don't practice this. But it's maddening watching that as a fan. I mean, like this should be so simple to execute. And team after team, guy after guy, just can't do it. Uh, you liked this question in the mailbag, Kyle. What does Washington have that Texas Tech doesn't? Yeah, that's a good question. I think at the heart of the question is that Washington just won a playoff game. They're 14-0, and about to play for a national title, without quite having the kind of infrastructure that like USC, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma have. They're also not quite like some – blue-collar, scrappy underdog. I mean, they do have a football history. I think they won a national championship in the 90s. Yeah, they've won the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12 before. So I think it's a program that probably has more resources and can recruit at a higher level than Texas Tech if both are operating at their ceiling. But they're if they win the national championship game, they'll be the like least talented team by some of these different metrics like blue-chip ratio. They'll be the least talented team to do it, like in the recruiting rankings era. So I do think they're a model that non blue blood programs should look at and say, like, we can't we can't do this the same way Ohio State and Alabama do it, but we might be able to do it the way Washington does it. They were very portal heavy, like Penix is kind of the main guy, obviously, but a lot of their receivers they don't recruit that well out of the high school ranks. And that scares me because I think that's a less sustainable model than building through high school recruiting. But maybe that is the way to do it if you're a program like Washington or a program like Texas Tech, Kansas State, Utah, you name it. So I, I, I get the premise of the question. I don't think you're quite on par with them, but I also don't think they're at a place as a program that you just can't get to. I mean, like what was Clemson before Dabo got there? They had one national title in the early 80s, I believe. I think in 1981 
they were a good team, but like they were kind of what Leach was, you know, it was like nine wins. You know, they were solid. They weren't certainly weren't some doormat, but they weren't the sports blue blood. Um, what was Virginia Tech before Frank Beamer? What was Florida State before Bobby Bowden? Uh, what was Miami before the 30 for 30 guy, the corn cob pipe? Howard Schnellenberg. Like then they're a program that wins four natties in the next decade and a half. So it's not easy to turn it around like Florida State, Miami, and some of these schools have done at some point in their school's history. It might not even be possible at this juncture of college football with the portal and NIL. But college football is a sport that is is very – it's rare for there to be a new blue blood. Like it's very hard to break through the Alabamas and Texases of the world. Clemson and Dabo kind of did it. Florida State did it further back than that. But I think you have to look at Washington and say, like, this is how other programs that aren't at that level might have a shot to do this. Um, but if you're like, does Washington, do they just completely outdo you in terms of home atmosphere? I don't think so. I mean, like when the Jones is rocking, I think Washington is more like 70,000. I could be wrong. Jones is 60. Are they going to way outspend you in NIL? No. Is is Lubbock itself a hub for recruiting talent? Not really, but you're really close to some other hubs. And like, is Seattle? No. Is Portland? No. Like they've got to go to California to get all their local-ish guys. Um, the head coach they hired was from Fresno State. Like you could you could go hire the coach from Fresno State if you wanted to. So look at that and go, they might be ahead of you, but they haven't really done anything that I look at and go, yeah, you just can't do that at Texas Tech. And I think that's pretty much the heart of the question um, you're obviously so a long ways off from that, but I think that a program like Washington doing what it's doing this season gives you some hope. Uh, piggybacking there is this year's Washington team, what Tech could have looked like under a Cliff Kingsbury uh, tenure if they would have had a semi-competent defense. I mean, technically, yes, because Michael Penix is the first back-to-back 4,000-yard passers since Patrick Mahomes. So he's the first guy who's done it since you had Patrick Mahomes doing it back-to-back years with 4,000, 5,000. But they're better than semi-competent defense. I mean, they have a pretty good defense there at Washington. Uh, Kyle, should Iowa incorporate tempo into their offense? Iowa should do anything differently than what they do now. So I obviously I'm not going to watch an Iowa football game because I don't hate myself. I'm assuming they don't use tempo. So if they're not using tempo, then sure. Like do the exact opposite of whatever you're doing right now. Oh, the next question. Why is a gambling podcast host so bad at gambling? And then it's a screenshot of my bowl record. Just to be clear, uh, me and money mainville here are tied but my name is circled as the bad one at gambling. Um, I've never claimed to be good at gambling, by the way. I do host a podcast called The Gambling Gauchos, but just because you do something doesn't mean you're good at it. I tell my boss that at the office every day. Yeah, Kyle doesn't – he didn't even fill out a, a, a bull question. Yeah, I'm undefeated. You are. Uh, I haven't updated are, – are you – did you do well in the last couple of days here, money that you uh are you still 20 and 22 
I honestly have no clue. I I submitted my picks and I never checked it again. But glad to hear that I am uh within the top fifteen. Say we're tied. We're tied. Did y'all pick straight up or was that against the spread? Against the spread. Gotcha. Against the spread. You pick them so far in advance. So I, like I picked LSU and then Jaden Daniels dropped out. You're like Marvin Harrison Jr. The day of the game was like, yeah, I'm not playing. That's tough. I could have gone back and fixed it, but didn't. Uh, this is a philosophical question here. What's the maximum number of items in your shopping cart that you'd seek out a cashier instead of settling for self-checkout? Like six? Like I'm not, uh, I 11? What is it? I, I'm not going through a, a self-checkout with a shopping cart full of stuff. I think I'm at about 20. That's probably more realistic. I mean, I think they cut you off at 10. Like they say, you can't come through self-checkout if you have more than 10. No, there's people that do like full baskets at self-checkout. It's crazy. Some places only have self-checkout anymore. What are you a self-checkout guy? I am. And I feel like it's because I get really anxious. And so I bag everything really quick. And so I'm done with my groceries, scanning them, getting them in bags within like five minutes. But I found that just the uh, curbside pickup, that's kind of the move for me right now. I do prefer the uh, curbside to the the hustle and bustle of uh, shopping at the grocery store. Uh, let's see. Kyle, should the Gauchos do an episode solely based on the mailbag? Could it become a bit? I'll have to give that some thought. We're going to talk about Phase 5 tonight? We can. Do you think anybody's still listening 94 minutes in? 94 minutes of us. We can go there if you want, or we can wait. We can wait. Uh, favorite character to play as in Smash Bros. Y'all Smash Bro guys? Bowser. Bowser? Give me Waluigi. I went uh, Seamus. Seamus, Seamus, whatever his name was, her name, the robot with the the gun and the drop the bombs. I like the ones with guns. The fox had a gun. I would just stand on the corner of the map and shoot people. Uh, Was this Oklahoma State's team the worst to play in a Big 12 championship since it came back in 2017? If so, are they the worst Big 12 championship appearance since 05 Colorado? Probably. I, 2017 TCU wasn't very good. I think that was the first year they brought back the conference championship game. Yeah. OU just housed them. Yeah. And they were, I think they were like injured. And uh, Sean Robinson was like playing quarterback and couldn't complete a pass to save his life. They beat us like 12 to 3 at the Jones that year, something like that. No, they had a pick six at the end. I think they got to like 20. It was like a really cold game. First drive, we went like 70 yards, settled for a field goal, and just did nothing after that. Had five fumbles, and TCU recovered all of them? Yeah. Yeah. I think that TCU team made the Big 12 championship game. I think you didn't score a touchdown with 20-3? to 
something like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, have you ever broken up with a girlfriend at a nice restaurant because you were told to take girls to a nice restaurant so they wouldn't make a scene? I think this is related to a story that somebody told uh, at some point. Do you have any breakup stories you want to tell? I've only broken up with one girl. And uh, it wasn't at a restaurant. Although one time I did have a girlfriend threaten to cause a scene in a restaurant. It wasn't a nice restaurant. It was a fast food joint. She's like, what do you mean you're going to cause a scene? Like, we're at a freaking Wendy's, you know? Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. Is that what yeah. you're do you, uh, do you take all your ex-girlfriends to fancy restaurants, money? I do not. That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> it's a good idea if you, like, dip before the check comes. You're like, hey, sorry, honey, we're not working out. And then, like, you just leave. And yeah. she's got to pay for your, like, $50 steak. Uh, somebody posted a, a comment is Robin shambles right now with a tweet and then uh, took it away. Oh, it's in general. Now I'm not going to read it in the mailbag. Uh, should we ask the last question in the mailbag? What's the last uh, question? It has to do with some flight logs that are being leaked. Oh God. No. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right. We're done then. Oh, uh, all right, that's uh, that's all I got. Final thoughts. Beat no, Texas. Few minutes. Beat, Beat Texas. Texas. Rob, Talk are you gonna are you gonna drop your storm the Capitol graphic? Yeah, yeah, we need to do that tomorrow morning. We'll uh, we'll get that out tomorrow morning. Should I do the one with Joey or without? I don't know. I feel like I feel like we have too many followers that are employed by Texas Tech that somebody might be like, hey, this isn't a good look for the university. Like, can you take this down? And I don't wanna don't wanna go there. It's better to uh, ask for forgiveness than permission, huh? Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Are you got a, a proverb for us? I'm trying. I can't find it. Uh-oh. It's uh, been too long. What is it? Okay, here it is. Every time I just sit here and I scroll back and forth, and it's like roulette, and I just pick one. These are all actually in Norwegian. I'm in the wrong section. Okay, here we go. I don't really even know what this means. A tied dog does not jump farther than his cord. A tied dog does not jump farther than his cord. I guess it just means if you like prohibit somebody's potential, then you won't allow them to reach it. Spread your wings and fly, you know. Turn pop loose. Let him shoot. Yeah, that'd be good. Maxim for coaches, like, don't tie up your dogs, kind of. Let the boys play. Let them score. All right. That's uh, an hour and 39 minutes. We're back. We will see you on Sunday with a recap of the Texas game and some more 
college bowl talk, I guess. A couple of more in between now and then. It's basically basketball season, though. Basically, and then it's baseball season in a, a month. Maybe we'll get like a recruiting tidbit here and there, but yeah, I guess it's time to turn the page. Wow. Did you ever watch the movie Page Master? It's a cartoon mm-hmm. with Macaulay Culkin. No. Solid movie. Money, have you seen that movie? Never even heard of it. <laughs> Me neither. Before y'all's time, I guess. I'm just old enough that uh, that's before your guys' time. All right. Don't tie up your dogs. See you next time. All right. Love you all.